Hello, uh, good to, to, to meet you here again, to see you for the Israelis among us. Uh, well, of course, good morning. I wish you a wonderful day. Today, I would like to have a small, you know, a short chat about innovation in the adjacent spaces. And I think this is very crucial for our time, which, which are times of disruptive technologies um, uh, changes. And uh, we are really uh, heading into a, a real revolution that uh, the human race have never seen before. You already heard me talking about that. So I don't want to waste more of your time about this subject. So let's plunge in. So uh, first of all, uh, okay, Leo. Okay. What is the what is really innovation in the adjacent spaces? The essence of it is how can we take the core capabilities that we built over so uh, so long, it might be sometimes decades and even beyond that of our capabilities and use them to create for us a better future as a company. And to do that, in a sense, I would say, it's not it's not really immediately but in the short term and the medium term so this is this is the essence of it so how do you do it and in, before i go before i want to present the five uh, major questions that i think you have to ask when you want to do that i want to give you to tell you two stories and how it, and and then i think it's easier to learn when you have a story and you learn from it so in 90 uh, in 1975, everybody knows that this was a very important uh, year when we are talking about innovation because this was the year that you know Sassoon put on the table on the Kodak management, uh, uh, you know, in the boardroom. He put the first uh, uh, digital camera and says, "This is the future. This is a, a filmless, uh, uh, filmless um, camera," which was, of course, was a huge, huge mistake because the main uh, revenue and profits of the company were from dealing with the with the films but this is another story but so everybody when they're thinking about this year usually focus about what happened in Kodak but I think the more interesting story is what happened in the other side of the world uh, in in Japan and uh, in a company called Fuji which was also a very very important uh, player within the film and the camera industry so what happened is that this the, the management of this company at uh, this year they had a problem the problem was that there was a shortage of copper in this year people don't remember that so uh the company uh, didn't have enough you know uh, materials in order to create uh, to manufacture all the cameras that usually she's manufacturing and selling so the management is sitting around the board table and asking herself first of all uh, an interesting question what can we do if we won't have enough copper ever? How can we produce uh, cameras for people to take pictures? So what they do, they start working on a digital cam cameras. Some of what we call the urban uh, uh, tales are that they even bought some of the Kodak uh, uh, licensing and so forth. So this is why Kodak could continue, you know, uh, for 20 more years to, to progress or at least to, to exist, let's say. But so this, you know, this is a bold move, but I think there is another story relating to Fuji, which is is much more inspiring in my in my at least in my view, because the second question they asked themselves was, what if people would never like to take any pictures with cameras? This is ninety five. We don't see 
neither the Apple nor the BlackBerry, neither each of these devices that right now are a part of, you know, our essentials to our well-being and, and, and living, yeah, on, on, on the, you know, the early day, everyday cause, chores that we have. So what are thinking, what can we do? And I think this is, this is real bravery because this is really asking an exist, ex existential question. Can I, will I cease to exist? if I can't use my core capabilities to what I've been doing for so many years, or can I take them and do something else with them? Can I go beyond the horizon and find new destiny? So what is the asking yourself, so what are our core capabilities? And they came out with a very straightforward answers. We are very good in dealing with chemicals. This is what we know to do. We are experts on that. So what they did, they started scouting on different categories and different industries and so forth. And they got to the conclusion that this very interesting and very unique capability that they have dealing with, with the chemicals and so forth is relevant to a total different category, a total different industry, which is the cosmetic industry. And so they went and they created a very successful brand uh, in the East, but I think we should look beyond that because it's not only that they created a, a, a new business, which of course is amazing, but beyond that, when you look about the structure and the culture of the Japanese nation, it's extremely rigid. We know that. They, they, are, they are tied to their tradition. They respect the tradition. They're doing anything in their power to keep and, and cling to the tradition. We know that as a result, just to give an example, example, there is, they have a problem with marriage because women are not willing anymore to go into the path of their ancestors and become, you know, housewives that do nothing. So young women are not willing to get married. This is, we don't need it anymore. For what do we need to get married? So we, so as, as, a, as, as a result of what, of course, there is a decline in the amount of children and so forth. So just to give you an idea, we usually need 2.4 children to create, you know, uh, uh, the next generation that will take care of the previous one, uh, uh, Japanese are, are, are far away from it. The Japanese uh, nation is far away from it. So this, I think, is remarkable that this, you know, extremely main, uh, I would nearly say, prejudiced against women, in a sense, society, okay, that this company, within this, you know, environment, cultural environment, general cultural environment, I taking a leap and getting rid of the prejudice and asking myself, how can we move for, from a very, I would say, masculine uh, a, a category to a very feminine one? And I think once you do this kind of mindset in the way you think, then anything is not beyond you. You can start dream big. So when we look right now about how the group is being created, you see that they're going to so many different places and so different domains. And more than that, I'm, I'm not sure that you're aware of it, but when uh, the coronavirus started, the prime minister of Japan announced that they had, that he's shipping to Europe 2 million, you know, uh, I think uh, it was, uh, it wasn't small mo molecules. I think it was a kind of a medicine that can, can assist to, you know, to, to uh, severe, you know, se severe, um, I would say patient with COVID because they already created something for that. 
uh, you know, dealing with, with respiration problems and so forth. And this startup is a part of Fuji. So just to give you an idea, when you start looking at this and you look long terms, which is also a crucial, 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 of course, you know, I believe uh, it's going to be crucial thinking method and mindset for the future when you took the you are taking the long view you're looking what are your core capabilities where can you go to where can you do something with it then you're creating yourself a different a, a different future another story i want to tell you is of course a story about steve jobs and what people don't recall is that Pete, that uh, Steve Jobs, you know, he was uh, he was chased out of his company in the middle of the 80s. And then at, I think it was 1997, he's coming back after 12 years that he was away. He is, of course, smarter and so forth. But he's coming to a company which, you know, is far away from being successful. Because this is a time, you know, that there are huge pressure in the market because, you know, uh, uh, the computer, the, the personal computer uh, is becoming uh, nearly a commodity. So there is a there are strong there are strong stress uh, in 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 this category. On top of it, you know, the Mac was never a great business. It was always only thirty percent. I think the market share was never more than thirty percent. I think also today. So it's a marvelous you know product, and I use it. I am totally you know devoted to it, and I'm dedicated to it, and and I'm totally in love with it. But but uh, uh, it's not a great a great business. And so this was the first issue. So the company is not doing this so well. There is a lot of stress in the market, you know, to cut down the prices and the revenues and so forth. And on top of it, you have, of course, the the, Christ, the, the crash, the, the, the dot-com crash. And in the middle of this crisis, and I emphasize it because I think some of us are relating to the right, the current situation as a crisis, he's taking his best 100 people and he asked them, how can we create a different future? How can we take the great capabilities that we created of computer, you know, creating and take it to these core capabilities, finding other domains, other categories, other industries that we can use this, our, our capability to disrupt these markets. So where are the opportunity? Which markets are getting, you know, bigger? Uh, which are, you know, which are flourishing? Uh, what, where, where the, where the growth is coming from there? And what, how can we tackle it? And how can we use our core capabilities? And so what they do, they create this map. And what is very interesting is that on January 2001, he get on stage and he, and he says, this is our strategy. We are going to create all these devices, and we are going to do it better than our competitors. It's like, you know, you know, it's like a message of war, you know. I'm going to go into the, I don't know, the, the, the um, uh, you know, the personal, uh, I um, I think it was, it was called, um, I forgot, the Pentel, and I'm going to go into the DVD, and I'm going to go to all this market, and I'm going to give a better answer than the main competitors. And just to remind you, he had, wonderful competitors over there. No one was waiting for him. You know, Sony definitely wasn't working, waiting for him with, uh, with the Walkman and so forth. What he did say on the stage on that day is that they are also going to look for opportunities to create them themselves, meaning he wasn't looking for uh, creating uh, collaboration or cooperation with other competitors, but to do it inside, 
in-house. And the other thing he didn't say is that they are going to look for ways to make them easier, smaller, much more user-friendly and relevant to, to, to the other way of using computers, meaning on the go. Meaning moving the computer from being something which is stable, which is on your uh, desktop, uh, on your table or whatever, and you work with it. Meaning it, it's becoming a moving part that is, uh, uh, as is, is totally uh, accelerating your path, your path, your path while you're walking or whatever you're doing. And it's becoming a part of your body. So I think these are crucial thinking. And the other thing that he put on the table, which is so like him, is what are going to be the desire of the consumers and the clients. And I keep reminding us that the companies that are going to win in the future are only the ones that are going to be, I would say, customer-centric, if not customer-obsessive. It's better to be customer-obsessive more than anything else, I think, looking into the future. So this is what he is putting on the table in 2001. Now, look, let's look what they have in 2015, okay? So he's really walking, you know, they are walking the talk, and every time in order to progress, they ask themselves, they ask themselves what do we need? What extra do we need? What other technology we should develop, okay? And we know that they are usually counting on themselves. Right now, this year, they, are, they created the new chip that they, they, that they presented last year, and now they are going forward with this. They are talking now about, of course, well, it's not over here, but uh, yeah, but uh, the driving, the driverless car, meaning we're talking about the autonomous car. And, of course, they are upgrading the, the Apple Watch. So I think it's, it's very interesting because on one hand, he was saying, asking himself, okay, what is the short-term or mid-term opportunity, but also how can I use it to leverage my capability to other domains which are going to, to become later in time? Because at 2001, no one thought about the Apple Watch. And we know right now it's crucial because when Apple, uh, you know, uh, the, now the, the, the CEO of, of Apple, when he was asked two years ago, what is going to be the most important contribution of Apple to uh, humankind? He says it's not going to be uh, the iPhone or anything like it. It's going to be the contribution to healthcare because they're moving this and that I'm using it, of course, but they're using it now right now to assist us to in augmenting our capability to quantify ourselves, meaning taking responsibility and ownership of our own health, meaning really, really, you know, scanning our body and finding out what whatever is happening in our body. And every year there are better uh, opportunities. So I want to say in any case, because I hear people around me keeping telling me, you know, uh, there is no reason to buy the new Apple Watch, the new Apple uh, iPhone. I disagree with this because if you're looking into the bits and bytes, you see that every year there is huge improvement. You just have to look for them and not to look at the surface. And what is very interesting is that when he got on stage and he presented the first iPhone, he didn't say to his people, we created the best competitor in the telecom, telecom or mobile phone or whatever uh, competitors. We are created the best computer because he had the long view and he understood that we want, uh, the, we want the consumer and the clients that they iPhone will be on, you know, that we, in a sense, I would say it another way. Most companies are thinking that uh, people want technology to be an extension of themselves. 
I think he got it differently, reverse. He understood that in some senses, we want to be extended by, by uh, technology or that uh, we become extent of technology. So it might sound like a minor difference, but I'm not sure about it. I think there is something deeper than that. So we really, really, and Kevin Kelly is all the time talking about is our desire to converge with technology. And he's talking about the fact that when we're talking about, you know, singularity and, you know, people are thinking singularity is going to happen in 2040, 50 and so forth. And Kevin Kelly keep telling us, no, it already happened the first time we created language because we immerse in the minute. And also language is also a technology. So once you take this deep, I think, method of thinking and you combine them with good sense of business, I think you can go a long way. So just to show you how, how did it look and how does it, uh, you know, and what is also interesting, just to put just another note, is that they were calling it innovation into white spaces. So I think this is also a term that you can use and ask yourself, where are the white spaces? Okay. Uh, so there you go. And just uh, to give us the idea, how does it mean, you know, translated in the end to economical value? So look at the numbers. And uh, what we can see is that uh, it, it, this year is even bigger. I mean, it became, I think, the biggest uh, company, uh, the American company uh, right now on, on uh, NASA. And uh, and look what is happening regarding the revenue, where the, the revenue streams, where they are coming from, and look what's happening and how services are really right, meaning which is really it's it's according to everything we know about the digital economy that you move from uh, you know from uh, durable and uh, to to something which is on the cloud, uh, services which are totally digital, and it's going to be you know of course faster during the coming few years. So this is another thing I think we should take into account. So when you're thinking about the adjacent space, think whether this is going to be for you a platform to create services or products which are digitized. Okay. So um, before we end, I just want to say that I think, and this is uh, this is a quote from my teacher Salim Ismail. Uh, uh, who wrote Exponential uh, Organization, and he said a very interesting thing, I think, in one of the interviews in the last year, when he says, well, well, we used to think that it's it's enough to put, you know, in the adjacent space 20%. Well, I think right now we have to divide it differently. We, I think he says, and I totally agree with him, uh, and I'm inspired by it, uh, that when you're talking about innovation in the coming decade, it's better to put only 40% in the core and then 30% in the adjacents and 30% in the edges, which of course are much more complicated for all of us. So just to summarize, oops, uh, these are the main questions I think we should ask ourselves. What are our core cap capabilities? Uh, where are the relevant markets? Where are the big opportunities? What is really developing right now? And how can we disrupt this, you know, either existing markets or, or, or the markets that are being created right now with our unique capabilities, with our core capabilities, and then how it's going to be in line with the needs and the desires. And I think it's crucial to think about desires because this, when we start not only evaluating, the, the we, we need to dream on the future and then we need to evaluate, you know, the gap. So with existing perception and so forth, but I think this is where you should do a lot of work as well. Because most, I think most innovation we should know uh, are not relevant to the clients and the consumers. So then if they're not reading, you know, that there is no job needs to be done. 
as uh, our mentor Clay Christensen uh, is teaching us over and over and then there is no sense of going there. So that's it. So uh, two small remarks for the end. Uh, I have uh, the great privilege and honor to start, you know, a special program uh, with uh, my colleague and mentor, Professor Sam Sagi, who is uh, a brilliant, brilliant uh, innovator uh, in Ben Gurion University in the uh, International MBA. We're starting it uh, next week. We're going to give 10 lectures, uh, which are going to cover everything that has to do with innovation within the business uh, uh, world. So we are going to put it uh, here So we are, because we want everybody to study with us. And uh, we are more than open to discuss how we tackle and how we take these uh, principles into everyday life. Uh, Sam has a vast experience uh, in the international market. He's been working with uh, big companies uh, in the United States. Also, he was uh, he did his uh, PhD and beyond that uh, in MIT and so forth. So um, I'm totally honored to be, uh, you know, collaborating and working with him. And I look to him as my mentor. And uh, so he, we are also going to have, you know, real program of how you execute. So it's not going to be only, you know, giving the ideas and giving, you know, uh, the inspirational start part of it, but definitely and how you implant these ideas into everyday life and how can you really, really contribute to the future and, and be the better future or, you know, uh, you know, of either future proof yourself, doesn't matter where you're coming from, to the future. So that's it for now. Thank you for everything. I wish you a wonderful day. Yeah.